at those amazing conversations that you're having. And I'm going to use this mic so I don't sound like Travis. But you know, usually I get to do the announcements and offering at Resurgence and like Travis, like to make sure that I always do it, like he's really nice about saying I have the announcement anointing. So then I asked him, you know, don't be too, like, can you please be like at least a couple really awkward moments when you do announcements and offering? So, cause I don't want him like stealing my usual job. And then when I get up to speak, like, it's just going to not be awkward at all. If I don't say envelopes like 50 times up here, it's going to be like a good night for the message. So, so thank you, Travis. I appreciate you just, just putting aside your, your pride and humbling yourself to be so awkward. Um, yeah, so this is like, this is kind of new for me. Um, not being on stage and talking in front of people. Um, I do that a lot. I do announcements here. I do them at church. I emcee weddings. Um, I actually used to like compete in speech competitions in junior high and high school. That's weird. Um, so that part is okay. And I've taught a lot of things like even in church and on subjects, but to do a preach, like it was really interesting preparing this week. Um, but it's good. And just the community has been so encouraging. So I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Um, we are going to start in John one, um, it's December and it's Advent and it's Christmas. So kind of thought like you sort of have to touch on the birth of Christ, like a little bit, right? (laughs) It's kind of a big deal. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the birth of Jesus a bit. Um, John 1 is maybe not the most conventional telling of Jesus' birth, but um, the way it's written, like, it's really mysterious and really profound, and there's some stuff in there that I kind of want us to unpack and dig into. Um, John 1 I also really love because it's actually um, sort of where I started reading in the Bible. Um, when I was learning about God and learning about Jesus, and so I was like about 23 at the time, um, one of my really nice Christian coworkers at Starbucks said, you know, do you even like, do you know how to read the Bible? And I was like, well, yeah, like I know how to read, like, thanks. Um, but they're like, well, no, but like, do you understand like how it's laid out and different things? And like, you don't necessarily like always start at the beginning and whatever. So I was like, okay, where do I start? So John 1 is where he told me to start. So one day Starbucks, hang out my green apron with all of its gross chai syrup stains, go over to the chapters next door, um, buy myself a Bible, which I spent a lot of time like picking out which one do I think looks like sort of like striking and nice, but also like really like studious, like which Bible do you get? I, I had no idea, right? So I get this Bible, I wander back, I sit in the corner of the Starbucks cafe, and I open it up. My big, like, two-tone leather, gold-edged pages, um, and I start to read in John 1. In the beginning, before all time, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. He was God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines on in the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it. There it was, the true light coming into the world, the genuine, perfect, steadfast light that illumines every person. 
He came into the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For out of his fullness, we have all received one grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. For while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is at the Father's side. He has declared him. He has revealed him and brought him out where he can be seen. He has made him known. And so I read this now, and it's like, it's amazing. I love it, and I get chills. Um, and it, there's just such truth. But it's kind of like a weird place to tell someone who doesn't know anything about Jesus to start reading, like, and start learning about God. Like, how to, so in the beginning, before all time, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. So, like, I read that, like, probably, I don't know, like, a lot of times, like, just like that first verse, and I'm like, what? What? Maybe you don't know how to read the Bible. Like, I don't know. Um, so, honestly, like, I'm still not totally sure why that's where my friend told me to start, but... The truth, like, God must have known what he was doing because even though I was, like, pretty much totally confused, I was like, I'm intrigued by this. And it says, like, the word word a lot, the word. And I, like, I love words a lot. And not just, like, yeah, okay, Coraline's, like, nodding and this is funny. And so not just because I like to talk a lot, um, which is also true, but just like language and communication and words. Um, I love it. And um, actually, just as a little, as like a brief interlude, kind of an ode to my emceeing glory days here, I've made a little like top five list for you to get me to know me a little bit better about top five ways you can tell that I really love words. So here's a little bit about Diana. So the number five way... Um, I have likely, or will in the future likely, force you to play one of the following games with me. Buzzword, balderdash, catchphrase, taboo, like any other language-based game. Not Scrabble. Don't like that one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I often cite my favorite movie as Wordplay, a documentary about the world of competitive crossword puzzling. Like, actually, it's so good. It's so good. You should watch it. Um, what's on my bookshelf at home? The mother tongue, English, and how it got that way. In other words, a language lover's guide to the most intriguing words around the world. The meaning of everything, the story of the Oxford English Dictionary. <laughs> Nature of, no, it gets better here. Nature of Linguistic Sign and Other Structuralist Essays by Ferdinand de Saussure. Um, and a massive, um, Dictionary of slang. So this kind of like predates Urban Dictionary and is a lot cleaner and a lot more interesting. Um, and it's like probably like 
like that thick, literally. Um, so you guys, just whatever books and DVDs you want to borrow from me, just text me later. Let me know. They're really interesting. Um, number two way that you know I really love words. Uh, I took two semesters of Latin in university because I thought it would be really fun to be more etymologically equipped. Like, just like, where do these words come from? I don't know. I should learn Latin, and then I'll know. So probably someday I should take, like, Greek and Hebrew, be like a real biblical scholar. Um, and the number one way you know I really love words, before Word of the Day emails and dictionary.com apps, um, I made my own favorite words dictionary using the alphabetized, usually reserved for, like, your contacts section of my little file of facts that I had. So there's some great words in there. If you want to borrow that, too, let me know. So... I love words, but um, they're often not enough. So one of the things that fascinates me about language is, like, we're in this amazing tension um, where, yeah, I can share, like, so much truth and so many ideas and, like, so much about my experience through words. Um, But they're also, like, so limited. Um, they just can't always like capture and convey everything that my heart has experienced and everything I want you to know. And honestly, like this week, I experienced that big time. I'm like, how do I put like all of this stuff that I feel about God into words? Um, so when I read in John 1 about the word becoming flesh, like that excites me and that intrigues me. Like, so the knowledge that the complete truth of God's word, the perfect fulfillment of his law, all of his character, like all of his glory, that that came and was lived out in front of people for us to see and be in a relationship with and like really know and experience. I'm like, that's cool. The word became flesh. Um, so that's where I kind of want us to, to camp out a bit tonight. We're going to like kind of unpack that a bit. Um, the amplified version for that verse, John 1:14, says, and the word Christ became flesh human, incarnate, and tabernacled, fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us, and we actually saw his glory, his honor, his majesty, such glory as an only begotten son receives from his father, full of grace, favor, loving kindness, and truth. The message says the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Yeah, that's good. Get to that later. Um... Yeah, so let's unpack that. So the first thought I kind of have on that, um, so the testimony of Jesus is the word becoming flesh. So this is the idea that all truth, all knowledge exists first and foremost, and then becomes manifest in observable reality. God spoke creation into existence. Things seen were made from things unseen. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So one thing I want, I want to pose a first question to you guys tonight. In your life, does the word become flesh, or does flesh become the word for you? Huh? Okay, what does that mean? Does the word become flesh? Do you have a conviction of God's truth and faith that causes you to shape your life and your circumstances to reflect that truth? Or do you first look at your circumstances, at your surroundings, and your experiences to shape your view of truth and your view of God? 
we live, like our culture, like the reigning epistemologies are empiricism and rationalism. So that means like that knowledge comes from sensory experience and like the logical conclusions that we can derive from those experiences. Um, and it's so pervasive and normal and accepted that I think it's really easy to forget that's actually like a cultural mindset. It's sort of like seeing is believing. It doesn't work the other way around, supposedly, right? But that's not in line with God's truth. And if we fall into that trap, we look at the things around us that we don't understand. Like our, a friend who has cancer. Another, like there's so many, like circumstances in this room, like some of you that I just even know personally. Like there's things that happen in life that don't make sense and they don't understand. But are you going to look to those things and use those experiences to create and prove a hypothesis of who God is or what might be true? Are you going to grow a theology out of your experiences? Letting flesh become your word. That's not how God has ordered things. We need to come against that and stand against that and just like cling to truth and cling to faith because we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, We walk by faith. We regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. We walk with trust and holy fervor. Thus, we walk not by sight or appearance. Romans 12.2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So once we can like, get there and recognize that there is this ultimate truth, that all truth comes from God, and just cling to that and not let our experiences influence what is true and what is real, what's next? What does it look like to move forward with a renewed mind, to walk in faith that Christ is in us, that we are becoming like him, that the word is being made flesh in us? James 1, starting at verse 21. Get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. That page was upside down. So what goes on in your mind when I read that verse? Think about that. Does it inspire you? Does it make you feel guilty? Like, I think sometimes we can read a lot of those verses, like, with kind of a, like, just tainted with a bit of condemnation, right? Like, oh, man, like, that's me. I keep forgetting what I'm supposed to do, you know? Like, I need to try harder to do the right things that are in line with God's word. I need to live out better how he says I should be. But actually, oh, and I want you guys to get this. Like, don't just think this is like a subtle difference in semantics because I love words so much, but like it's huge. So it's not like I should live out better how he says I should be. And that's not what I take from that text. But it just, you need to live out who he says you are, right? 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, reflection, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So why the analogy of the mirror, right? Because the word is a reflection of who you are. That is what we have access to in Christ. Through Christ, the word was made flesh, and he was born and died on this earth so he could be the start of something new. So he could be the start of us being the word made flesh. Like, when we look at the word, I don't know how else to communicate this to you, but I think, like, it it can be heavy, and it can be like, I've got to do all of these things. And, like, come on, it's all over the Bible that we're free from, like, the heavy restriction and the burdensome nature of the law. We're not free from obedience. We're not free from living it out. But it's like who, it's knowing your identity. When you look intently into the perfect law, it brings freedom because it tells you who you are in Christ. It's the difference between thou shall not murder, so you better not go out and kill someone, and thou shalt not murder. You're not a killer, like, so why would you do that? You're not. Thou shalt not murder. So how do you go about reading the word, taking it in, now that we've kind of, like, touched on, we want, we want the word to be made flesh in us. The word is the bread of life. Jesus describes it that way. So how can that be made flesh in us? When you feed on the word, does it become a part of who you are? ingested, digested, absorbed, right? Incorporated and embodied into the very fiber of your being. Is it made flesh? Or does it just fuel you for the day? Or is it just something that makes you feel full for a while and then just passes right through you? I know like a lot of times we can get really busy in life and feel guilty about like, I'm not in the word enough. I'm not making time for God and reading my Bible enough. And, like, it's so important. It's so important to be in the Word. But if you're in the Word and you just have a bunch of undigested food, like, passing right through you, what's the point, really, right? I think all of us in this room, like, it's resurgence, we can agree that the bread of life can't just be to satiate us and to be stored in me to like fatten me up and puff me up, right? There's more to it than that. But the next part is trickier. Is the word just like fuel for you? Not something that's becoming part of your very flesh. Like are you in this sort of repeated cycle where you're filling up and emptying out as you go about life? So sometimes, you know, I I fill up on the word of God, I get filled up with God's presence, and then challenging circumstances in life burn up a little bit of that fuel. And like I pour out some love and some wisdom on someone, and so that kind of like empties me out a little bit. So I better make sure I go back to God and back to the word to get filled up again before I go out into life. And there is truth to that. You don't want to be running on empty. There is like, it does speak in the Bible about being filled up and being overflowing. Um, We do want to cultivate that constant refreshing refreshing connection to God. Um, But it's more than that, too. And that's what I want you guys to get tonight. Think about, like, the food that you actually eat. So, of course, it's fuel for your body and what you do every day. We eat food for energy. But it's more than that. 
your body, your cells. Everything's in a constant state of replication and renewal. So every day, thousands of new cells are actually made in your body. The raw materials for the creation of these cells comes from the nutrients of the food that you eat. Like literally, food becomes flesh, right? So does reading the word feel like that to you? When you read the word, when you see yourself in that mirror, when you recognize that that is who you are, do you feel like that actually gets embodied into the fiber of your very being so that you just naturally live it out? Because that's what it should feel like, the word made flesh in you. Ah. (laughs) As you read the word with a renewed mind, read it as this says who I am. Gaze at God and yourself and God in you in that mirror and remember what you look like when you go away and live it out. You might not feel very glorious all the time. You might not think that you look very much like Jesus. But the good news is, you serve the God who speaks life to the dead and calls into being things that are not. He speaks of non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. This is another manifestation of the word being made flesh. There is power in the word of God to affect and become reality. All of creation was shaped into what we see because God declared it to be so. Because of the faith that we have in Jesus, there's a new freedom not to strive to uphold the word, but be the word. 2 Corinthians 3.18 All of us with unveiled faces, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. The word is made flesh in you. You are being transfigured into his very own image. Are you convinced yet how much you look like Jesus and how glorious a life you're called to lead? (laughs) I hope so. Um, When you put your faith in Jesus, he calls you by a new name too, right? I was saying part of the, the amazing message of the word becoming flesh is like not just the written word that we read and have in the Bible, but it's just like a very unique spoken word that God has over each of our lives, whether we hear it from God directly or we hear it like through God using other people to speak into our lives. So it's like in Matthew 16 um, when Simon gets his new name of Peter. So when Simon confessed Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus gave him a new name. Like, literally, he declared over Simon's life, his new identity, who he was from a heavenly perspective. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put my church together, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And we're called to do that for each other and for the world, to speak out those new names, to declare the word of God over people's lives and see it made flesh in ourselves, in those around us. That's part of the gift of prophecy, right? We're talking about that a lot at the advance. Hearing from God how he sees a person and a situation and speaking that over them 
and then seeing it become reality, seeing it lived out. Um, <laughs> I actually love like even asking other people what their prophetic words are um, or what God thinks about them. And I don't, I've probably even like done that to some of you in this room. And people's reactions are pretty funny. Um, so I'll be like, oh man, like someone gave you a great word that made you feel totally alive. Like, that's awesome. God was speaking to you about what he thinks of you. Like, that is so great. Like, what did he say? What does God think of you? What's the word? And like, people like kind of get a bit uncomfortable and they're like hesitant to share. Um, and I know like some things from God are to be treasured up in your heart and or shared in a point in time or what have you. But like, I just want to know, like, by every means possible, what does God think of you? Because I want to know how to treat you according to heaven's perspective. I want to know how to treat you according to the high calling on your life, how to treat you according to the high standard that God has set for you. How did he fashion you? That's how I want to treat you and see you. I don't want to get lost in, like, what it's easy for me to see and junk in front of me, right? So tell me your prophetic words. Tell me what God thinks of you next time I ask you. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.16 We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And the world is, like, counting on us to get this, to really get it, to understand that you were saved by grace through faith so that Christ within you would be the hope of God's glory being continually revealed here on the earth. Your life is the word becoming flesh and blood and moving into the neighborhood. 2 Corinthians 3.3 3. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives. The word made flesh in you. So what if you actually moved into the neighborhood, reflecting God's glory with an unveiled face and started calling people by their new names? It would be amazing, probably. Awesomeness would ensue. Um, yeah. And I just, I was kind of thinking, like, what? Like, do I have a story that I want to share about this? And um, I don't know. This isn't, like, anything amazing or, like, super, like, crazy and remarkable. But I don't know. I feel it's, like, it should be normal to live this out, right? So let's go for it. Um, before I worked at City Center Church, um, I worked, some of you know this, as a mentorship coach. It was totally a real job. In three specific junior high schools. Uh, someone wants that job right now. Um, so I worked in three junior high schools on a mental health capacity building grant. And um, yeah, there were a lot of great stories from those years, but I want to share with you about a kid named Jordan. And... I had known him and talked to him around school, but we hadn't, like, super connected. And um, I knew more about him of, like, his awful reputation with teachers and administrators. And, like, we would talk a lot about him as he's such a problem at our case conference meetings. Um, 
And then it just came to the point where he was on the brink of expulsion from school for like a lot of junk that he had said and done. Um, and he probably like deserved to be expelled, honestly. Um, oh, but I remember like something in my heart like wouldn't stand for him being treated that way and being like labeled and being like like expelled, right? It's like you're just like thrown out to be someone else's problem, like garbage. Um, and so I was like, I'm gonna like I'm gonna like stand in the gap for this for this guy. I'm gonna like go and I'm gonna talk to the teachers and administrators and I'm gonna say I want him to be a part of my projects. I want him at this school and I want him included in some of the things that I'm doing and I'm gonna work with him more extensively and I'm gonna like be responsible and associate myself with this Jordan kid who should be expelled. Yes. So like why? Why would I do that? Why would I make my job like way more difficult? Like it was like a really busy job. It wasn't easy. I had more than enough things to do. Why would I do that? Man, because like I choose to believe that the word is made flesh in me, that Christ in me is the hope of glory, that I get to be here to reveal him to the world. So I want to do what Jesus would do. I want to start proclaiming a new identity over this kid with my words and my actions towards him. So Jordan, forget ADHD, ODD, BD, kid about to be expelled. You are now going to be in the peer mentoring program with me. So every week, we are going to walk over to one of the elementary schools, a couple blocks away. Yes, even when it's minus 30, you will come. And you're going to have a little kid that you're responsible for. Why? Because you're an influencer. People look to you. You're a leader. Maybe you're using it in the wrong way right now. I'm not going to say that. But, but it's true, right? There's something in there. There's something of God. There's gold in everyone, right? So to dig it out. Um, and man, like, it was not always easy. Um, not even dealing with Jordan, like, honestly, most of it, I took a lot of flack and got a lot of advice from people um, when I sort of, like, chose to associate myself with him. Um, because, like, you know, people just, just didn't like him, right? And they liked me. So why would I, like, why would I put myself on the line for this punk, right? Um... Man, but over time, like, something started to shift and something started to flip in him. And I think, like, the biggest thing, honestly, so as a mentor in this program, like, I trusted him and someone looked up to him. Like, he had this new level of responsibility in life. Someone was looking to him. Someone needed something from him. Someone needed his help, honestly. He had never experienced that before, right? Because who needs help from some, like, oppositional defiant disorder, like, huge behavior issue kid? Apparently no one. So he, like, he just became more receptive in class and with teachers and actually started, like, completing assignments. Um, he got a job at Subway, which was, like, amazing, right? Like, most of his friends couldn't even get jobs. Um, so this is, here's a funny story. It's not always easy loving people, being the word made flesh. He got a job at Subway. So I was like, yes, that is amazing. I will come to Subway and you will make me a sandwich. That's great. So, 
some of you that know me really well are thinking this is like super funny because you know what I eat and it's not Subway. Um, so I go to Subway and I'm like, you, like whatever you want to put on this sandwich, you are the expert. This is like your thing, man. Do it up. I'm going to love it. So he makes me this sub and there's like a lot of bacon on it and a lot of other meats and sauces and like, I don't, do hot peppers count as like a vegetable? Yes? Okay. So there was vegetables on it. Yay. Um, it was like what a grade nine boy would want to eat for a sub, right? So I ate it. I humbled myself in love and ate it. Um, but honestly, it was probably the best bacon I've ever had because of the purpose of it. Um, Man, other great stuff was happening too. Like after school, instead of loitering at the 7-Eleven or like going to smoke up in someone's basement or like they had started this like fight club in the back alley, like like literally. Um, so him and his friends would come and they would like hang out in my office with me. Like grade nine, cool people. Like why, why? And for hours, like I would be like, so I'm done my work, ready to go home. Like... It's like, I was going to go to the gym tonight, but I guess maybe that's not happening. Um, yeah, but it was great times. Like, they, they would ask me ridiculous questions. Um, some of my favorites. Um, why are you so happy all the time? Are you, like, on drugs? Like, <laughs> you smile a lot. <sighs> so I would tell them that I love Jesus. And I would tell them about the Holy Spirit. I don't know if they really got it, but um, here's another great one. So have you ever had, like, a pregnancy scare? Oh, gosh. Thank you. Are we allowed to talk about that, grade 9 boys? Um, but, like, like, of course we're allowed to talk about that, because I would just tell them about purity. And they were like, like, what? Like, it was so foreign to them, right? Um... And they thought, like, I'm sure they thought I was totally weird and, like, not cool at all. But I'm also sure that something in them really liked being around me and, like, came alive being around me. And I would love, love, love to tell you that in his last year of junior high school, Jordan came to know Jesus. But that's not, that's not what happened. Like, his story is not over. He's in grade 12 this year. Um, but you know, like we just, we weren't, we weren't there yet and that's okay, but he did see a different way of living and experience like a different kind of hope over the course of that year, the word of God over that kid's life started to be made flesh in him. Like things were changing. He recognized something in himself that he didn't see before. He didn't even know was there. And he and all of his friends, to this day, I'm sure, remember how weird I was. And I smile all the time because I love Jesus. And God's got it from there. Like, there's more to that story. Um, so things flipped from Jordan. Things flipped for Jordan. Not only when I saw him from a different perspective, but when he had that person, like I said, like looking up to him, when he had someone who needed something from him, his little mentee. Um, so 
I don't know, I guess like part of the reason I tell that story is that I want you guys to recognize like you all have people that need something from you, that are looking to you. You all know people that are like living in darkness and they need the light and they need the hope that you have. And you might feel like people like some people that you know that don't know Jesus, like maybe, oh, but they have it like way more together than me. Yeah, okay, like maybe by worldly standards, but we live by faith and not by sight. And you're the word made flesh and you have the light and the hope that they need. You do. Jesus came as a light into the darkness. And we need to understand just how fully the word can be made flesh in our lives so that we can do the same thing. Like, I don't know. That's just, that's really all I want you to get from this tonight. Um, And wherever you are, like, maybe you're at the beginning of the message and you just need that shift in perspective to walk by faith rather than letting your flesh and circumstances become the word of truth to you. Or maybe you need that revelation that you are who God says you are, that the word that you read, that the word that other people speak over you is actually true and actually being made flesh in you and actually is already been made flesh in you. Or maybe like you're totally tracking with all of that and you just need that push to be the word made flesh that moves into the neighborhood and dwells in fullness around people. And I don't know what that push is, but like it doesn't have to be hard. It should be the most natural thing in the world because it's the word of God being made flesh in you. That's what Jesus came for. That's the testimony that he has for us. And if you know him, that's who you are. And so I don't have like, I don't know, I don't have like a real big closing thought or altar call. So If anyone else does, just like run up here and grab the mic and we'll be powerful. But I don't know. Like I just like, like I want, I I want us to have a great moment now and that's awesome. But what I really want is for you to feel like you came here and something in your spirit said, yes, like the word of God, the fullness of his character, the fulfillment of the law can be made flesh in me, is made flesh in me, and it needs to be made flesh in me so that the world will know Jesus because the hope of his glory is in me. And take that out of here and do something different in your life. Like not in a way that I'm putting pressure on you, but do something different in your life because you're going to be who God says you already are. Um, yeah, I don't know, Andrew... Hey, Andrew, way at the back of the room. If you want to come up here, um, it's funny you guys did, and maybe other worship people, or maybe you're on your own. We'll see. Um, I'm not going to join you in sing, so. (laughs) Oh, man, that's the one kind of word that you will not hear coming out of my mouth. Well, like not on a mic, at least. Sorry to those who were in my vicinity during worship earlier. Um, Yeah, it's funny that you did like that, the um, Christ in me, be my everything, whatever the real name is for that song, because that's one that I just was thinking about and and listening to and praying as I was preparing. And it's just like, yeah, God, be my everything. Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's not hard. It's just like, that's truth. That's how God designed things to be. So I don't know if you want to like do a little reprise of that song. Sure.
And just like stand and let's respond together. And I just want you guys to agree with me that the world is going to see Jesus in you. Because I believe it. Because I see Jesus in you. Yeah.